good morning Grace Vineyard and everybody else joining us listening to this talk via our website or watching on YouTube. Over the last three weeks we've been working our way through the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 and considering what Jesus means by the Beatitudes, the blessed are statements at the beginning of the chapter. And this morning we come to the fourth Beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. Please help us to understand what this means for us today and how we should live out your kingdom values in our community and in our daily lives. Amen. And over the last three Sundays, Jill and Andy have explained what the Beatitudes are and what the word blessed means. So if you've missed any of these talks, I would recommend that you go and listen to them or watch them. Um, but before we get into the detail of this particular verse, I just want to clarify the context of the Beatitudes, which is sometimes uh, read as prescriptive rather than descriptive. If we see them as prescriptive, that's like Jesus saying, well, if you're like this, then one day you'll be happy or blessed. You know, kind of like a stick and a carrot approach. Just persevere through this trouble and you'll be happy uh, when you get through the other side of it. And God will bless you more because you've suffered more. But this isn't how Jesus means us to understand the Beatitudes. They are descriptive, meaning that Jesus is saying, blessed are you right now. If you're poor in spirit, if you're mourning, if you're meek, if you're hungry and thirsty. We are blessed because the kingdom is right here, right now, in the midst of these circumstances we find ourselves in. And the world is in a very different place to what it was just over a year ago, when virtually everything stopped and everyone lives, uh, everyone's lives were turned upside down. This last year has made everyone reevaluate what the meaning of life really is and what's important. And Tia von Pohl found that before the pandemic, only 5% of the population of the UK went to church once a month. Whereas during the pandemic, this has risen to 24% of people tuning in online to online services um, every Sunday. You know, God didn't cause this pandemic, but he has certainly used it to awaken people's spiritual hunger. And this is the hope of the gospel that we, that we believe in that the Holy Spirit comes in the middle of the muck and the troubles and problems and this pandemic and brings fresh perspective, healing and courage, or to use a church word for this year, fresh strength to help us keep moving forward. And as you may have noticed, the subtitle of the talk on the first slide was living upside down, living right side up in an upside down world. And here, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is proposing a completely different way of living. Philip Green said in his book, A Voice from the Hills, has a great quote from an American New Testament theologian named Richard B. Hayes, which is from his book, The Moral Vision of the New Testament. And in it he says this, The counterintuitive paradox of the Beatitudes alerts us to the fact that Jesus' new community is a contrast society out of sync with the normal order of the world. They describe an upside down reality, or more precisely, 
they define reality in such a way that the usual order of things is seen upside down in the eyes of God. In our first Connect Group study of following the dance of love, the five foundational principles that Alexander Fenter talked about exactly reflect this upside down reality. Following God in intimacy, whatever we are doing in our lives, is it bringing us closer to God? forming community and that's countercultural community and Alexander gave us a dramatic description and graphic description of the chalk and cheese differences between Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot you know in any normal circumstance they would hate each other and be at loggerheads but Jesus chooses them to be his disciples to show them a different way of living fishing the world being witnesses of this new kingdom of Jesus and its values being relevant to context you know not using weird language language or being weird or dressing weird but being real being natural and bringing this new kingdom this these uh, this these values into our lives and freedom to love to live and to love as God loves and that demands a reaction and a response these are all completely opposite values to those of the world and the culture that we live in. And Jesus is calling us to a radical, different, radically different way of living, the life of discipleship. Let's read the first few verses of Matthew again with our verse today. Now when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So the first thing we need to establish is what is Jesus talking about when he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst? Was he talking about physical or spiritual hunger and thirst, or both? Well, I think here Jesus is paralleling our physical need, as you know, hunger and thirst are the strongest of all our bodily appetites and needs, with our spiritual need for him and his kingdom righteousness. There is often conflict between these two appetites, the physical and the spiritual. And the devil knows that very well, as, as he demonstrates when he tries to turn Jesus away from the spiritual to satisfy his physical needs when he's hungry in the desert. Remember in Matthew 4, um, when Jesus has been in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, the devil comes to him and says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answers, It is written, No man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil will try the same tactic with us, which is why Jesus is teaching his disciples and us in this way, to be different to our culture and redirect our hunger and our thirst. And this begs the question then, where are my hunger and thirst directed? Is it for success, for satisfaction, for a great job at work and promotion? Is it in gaining knowledge? Or is it in gaining wealth and possessions? Or enjoying life and seeking pleasure wherever we can find it? Well, Solomon had a great deal to say about that in the book of Ecclesiastes and having tried and gained everything and you know Solomon was the richest wisest 
man in the world uh, and you'll put you know bill gates and the owners of google and amazon to shame um, but he tried everything but he found finds that nothing satisfies his hunger his thirst and he finds that everything is meaningless and at the end of the book in chapter 12 he says this now all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter fear god and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind for god will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it is good or evil and over the previous three weeks we've looked at the preceding three blessed hours and each one is a progression from the last blessed are the poor in spirit coming to a realization that we are lost without jesus blessed are those who mourn you know, having recognized our spiritual poverty it leads us to mourn for not only our sin but the sins of the world and those around us and blessed are the meek a realization that we need to surrender control of all we are to the lordship of jesus and as followers of jesus we need to go through these three stages before we can get to the point where we're, we're willing even to hunger and thirst after the righteousness that jesus gives us and we can direct our hunger and thirst properly regarding a right hunger and thirst phil greenslade in the book a voice from the hills he says this followers of jesus are those whose deepest hunger and thirst can never be satisfied by anything less than god's kingdom because they've read the menu they've tasted the hors d'oeuvres and now long for the final feast so our hunger and our thirst can only be satisfied by jesus no one and nothing else can provide what we need in this life only him so we've thought you know briefly about hunger and thirst i know there's lots of other analogies and things we could talk about but we haven't got time this morning to go into those but i think we've covered what we need to so let's go back to our verse blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled and Phil Greenslade goes on to suggest that the main point of this beatitude is what does Jesus actually mean by righteousness? That's the issue. What does Jesus mean by righteousness? Well, reviewing the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, it becomes clear that righteousness is a central and non-negotiable requirement for us as Jesus' disciples. Matthew 5 verse 10 blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and I'll be looking at this uh, verse in a couple of weeks time Matthew 5 20 for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven that's a hard one isn't it but then we get this encouragement when Jesus is talking about not worrying about what we eat or wear, all those sorts of things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And here again, we need to understand this is a countercultural message. In our Western world, righteousness, if it's understood at all, 
is defined in individual terms. As Christians, we can tend to construe righteousness as personal morality, or as Apostle Paul sometimes defines it, as a justification of the individual sinner. But Jesus' usage uh, here is based on the Old Testament understanding of righteousness. Righteousness as an attribute, an activity of God. Psalm 98.2 says this, The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. And in the book of the prophets, we also see that God's righteousness is one and the same with his salvation. And this is echoed in Isaiah 61, 1-3, which is the very passage that Jesus chose to announce his kingdom, his new kingdom, to the world. And is likely his inspiration for the Beatitudes, as we read it, we'll see it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. You can see all the Beatitudes in there, can't you? And if you were on Zoom Church two weeks ago, you remember that we did a meditation on these very verses in our breakout room. And that last phrase, they will be called oaks of righteousness and a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour is reflected in this Beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. This righteousness Jesus is calling to is to hunger and thirst after is a demonstration of the attributes and the activity of God's righteousness, proclaiming to the world in Jesus, uh, uh, proclaiming to the world, proclaimed to the world in Jesus. Get it right. God putting things back in kingdom order, both spiritually and socially, um, through his son. And if that relationship is real, it will result in response. Responses of love, as, as we've seen in our connect group, through following, following the dance of love. And we see a great example of this in Job 29, 14-16. Where Job, having been accused of all sorts of things by his friends, he says this. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was an eye to the blind, a feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. That's righteousness. That's what we're to hunger and thirst after. And God has told us in Micah 6 8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. At Grace Vineyard, part of our response to this call is evidenced through Grow Baby and the Food Hub, and those have been running all the way through the pandemic in one way or another. And Renew 23 Street Outreach will start as soon as we're able to. 
So how to conclude our examination of this verse this morning? You know, we've seen that Jesus' kingdom values are completely opposite to those of the culture we live in. His followers, you know, his disciples, he calls us to hunger and thirst for him. So I ask myself, where am I hungering and thirsting today? Is it after Jesus' righteousness or is it after something else? And that's a hard question to answer sometimes, isn't it? Because we're broken people in a broken world and we don't always get it right. The good news is that we don't and we can't do this on our own. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Remember, righteousness is bestowed upon us. It's not something we can earn by our actions. And Jesus himself gives us this fantastic news in John 6:35, And he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You know, the Atus are a radical call to a different way of living, to live right side up in an upside down world. Here in verse 6, Jesus calls us to direct our hunger and thirst towards a relationship with him for our spiritual growth and to receive his righteousness. Because when we do, the promise is we will be filled. The righteousness we receive causes a response, it demands a response of loving those around us as Jesus loves us in acts of service. And these acts of service are the outworking of the attributes and the activity of God, of God's righteousness, God putting things right through his son. And finally, remember what Jesus said, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you know everything about us. You know our hungers and our thirsts. You know the things that are good for us and you know the things that are bad for us. Help us to hear your voice guiding us along this road of life and to follow Jesus' example by living by your kingdom principles to hunger and thirst for his righteousness and in doing so respond with lives of service with, as the song says, everything we are for your kingdom's cause. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. And you can find out more about us on our website at gracevineyard.co.uk and you can find the other talks there as well. And so now there's a few questions for our breakout group at the end of our meeting. And I'll leave these up for a little while. And I will see you and speak to you again uh, in a couple of weeks' time.